Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Locked In Podcast. My name is Ani. My name is Shri. And this is episode 10. We're really excited about today's episode. We have some some fun crossover events going on with kind of making the Avengers out of professional athletes from history from today. So we're going to have that for you in a bit. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone for the great feedback we got on some of our past episodes. We just had the Daryl Armstrong interview. If you haven't checked that out, he's an assistant coach with the Mavs, former sixth man of the year in 1999. So a lot of good stuff in that episode. Um, a reminder to just follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Instagram, you name it, we got it. Um, Ani, you got some news you want to talk about for today? Yeah, so some of the news we have for today, there isn't a lot of sports news, but the NBA is potentially thinking about going to Disneyland. We talked about this a few episodes ago, but now it's becoming more and more a realistic possibility where the NBA, as reported by Shams Chamrania and a few other people of The Athletic, could potentially be moving to Disneyland. Not the entire NBA, maybe potentially a conference or just a division or something, but the Disneyland or Disney World, sorry. Disney World has the facilities, they have hotels there, the facilities to train people. So it actually might be a pretty good deal. So again, I thought it was a good idea. Shri expressed some real regret. Shri, do you want to eat your words now or when it actually happens? I'm not going to say it's a good idea, but I guess it's the only idea. I, I guess Disney World is fine. I just really want the NBA back. So at this point, I'll take anything. They can play in a dump for all I care and I'll be fine with it. But I... I had an interesting idea. I Right now, Seattle doesn't have a lot of NBA stuff going on for it. A lot of people are sad about that. People are saying, bring a team back to Seattle. And if it wasn't so densely populated, and if it wasn't one of the epicenters of the coronavirus pandemic, I thought this would be a perfect time for all the teams to just gather and play in an isolated Seattle arena. But that's also me being biased. That's me being idealistic, kind of watching some of the recent Game of Zones episodes referring to Seattle, but I don't know. I was going to say, you you can't just pull your ideas from Game of Zones. But I mean, from a logical perspective, it doesn't really make sense to go to Seattle. People are saying Las Vegas makes sense. People are saying Disney World makes sense. People are saying potentially Houston because Mm -hmm. the practice facilities and the arena are so close together. So I think from a logical perspective, Houston doesn't necessarily have the infrastructure to handle so many teams and players. Because again, people are thinking that even for baseball, all of baseball teams could be in like one or two states, like Arizona and Florida, mm-hmm. for example. So thinking about that with regards to the NBA, I don't think it makes sense. But one thing a lot of people aren't talking about is the NHL. I feel like the NHL has not gotten a lot of love. It's one of the four major sports. I know it's the least popular one, but still, they also got cut midway through their season. So I'm very curious to see what's going to happen with the NHL. If the NBA restarts and MLB starts up again, what's going to happen with the NHL? Well, with the NHL, I, like you said, for the NBA in Vegas, I thought Vegas would be a perfect place for the NHL just because they already have the intra- infrastructure there. Golden Knights play there. So they already have the facilities. They have a very not populated city right now. No one's in Vegas. So if anything, I feel like the NBA could find a different place other than Vegas, kind of leave that to the NHL and move from there. I don't know. This is going to change sports for the long run. For sure. But some sports did come back this weekend. There was golf and there was NASCAR. I watched the NASCAR race. Thought it was pretty great. Uh, But again, sports are slowly coming back. So hopefully with sports coming back, we have more to talk about on this podcast because we're running dry. (laughs) 
Yeah, running dry, but something that did come back was Avatar The Last Airbender on Netflix, and a lot of people have been making memes about it, rewatching it, kind of reliving some of those good times. Only three seasons, which seems ridiculous because it has such a huge cultural impact here, but have you been watching? Yeah, of course. I actually, a few months ago, downloaded all of them on zip drives from the internet. Some guy put a Google Drive link, so I've been watching all of Quarantine, but... <laughs> Because I was like, I was so, I thought I was so smart. I'm like, oh man, it's not Netflix. I get to have it. But they finally put it on. I watched the first season of Legend of Korra, which is Avatar the Airbender's like successor in a sense. It's like mm-hmm. the, the the sequels. And I watched the first season. I thought it was pretty terrible. So I stopped watching. Uh, don't, don't like that show at all. But I'm really glad that at least Avatar the Last Airbender is back where I don't have to illegally use my downloaded copies that I can distribute on Netflix itself. But I'm really happy. A lot of my friends that haven't watched it are watching it for the first time and they're really enjoying it. And I'm really glad that this show is again getting the popularity that it once had. Love this show and I think it loved, I love what it brings. So again, I'm really happy and seeing a lot of Avatar The Last Airbender memes out there on Twitter and Facebook, which I absolutely love. So, Bro, all of the, if Katara just had a gun, the show would be one episode. If but... Momo had a gun, that would be hilarious. God, um. That, I don't know, Avatar is one of those shows where you can rewatch it. It's not corny. It's really well made. I Even even as a young kid, you just felt, I, I don't know how many times I was in the shower and thought I could just bend water, but the, the, there's such a huge impact that shows had. It's very, I wouldn't say underrated, but one of the better animated shows made. I, I think it's one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And just, I'm literally, I watched it before recording this episode and I watched one of the the bossing say episodes the episode where they try and meet the king of bossing say don't want to spoil anything for anyone but in the episode you can just see what bossing say is like it's kind of like a dystopian city where you're not allowed to talk about the war you're not allowed to talk about what's happening outside of the walls of bossing say and they do so much to protect the quote-unquote culture of it kind of feels like 1984-esque kind of feels mm-hmm. like what russia is right now especially prevalent with with, with what russia is going through with the coronavirus so Mm-hmm. It just seems so relevant that a kid show could talk about such deep ideals and the entire show is just a huge analogy for the never-ending nature of war. And I think the good versus evil battle, the redemption arc, uh, arc of Zuko, which is amazing, is just really mature for a kid show that even as a 22-year-old, I can watch it and still get enjoyment out of it and enjoy it every single time I'm watching it again. So I think it's truly one of the great shows of our generation and one of the greatest TV shows of all time. And I think it inspired... A lot of minds so really glad it's back on netflix but speaking of things that came to an end that was a terrible transition i know but <laughs> the last dance the episode, hell out of that the last dance episode nine and ten came out finally came to an end after five weekends thoughts on that tree I, it was a crazy crazy journey for the first three to four episodes i was kind of reminded what it what a fantastic basketball player Michael Jordan was kind of reaffirmed that he is the best player of all time. After that, my perspective on Jordan kind of soured just because of how poorly he talked about some of his contemporaries, some of the people he he really was close to. Like I think he and Charles Barkley were friends for such a long time. And then Barkley said like one thing about Jordan. And since then they haven't talked. And some of the stuff he said about Clyde Drexler kind of, kind of saying that, you know what, like, he he didn't really matter. And 
the whole the whole thing in that documentary about Jordan taking those like small things and making them competitive edges. Like, fine, do what you need to motivate you. Obviously, he won six rings, so I'm not gonna say anything about that. But and have some respect for some of the other greats playing at the time. You know, you can you can be gracious winning and losing. I think that's one thing LeBron does really really well. I think LeBron is when when discussing the goat debate. There's a lot of factors non-basketball related that come into play that people don't often like to bring up. They just like saying, you know, LeBron's like three and six in the finals. Jordan's six and zero. Oh. Jordan has the the most points per game average. He's he has a better winning mentality. Fine, like you you get that, and I understand that Michael Jordan's a better basketball player. But there's some other aspect of great that comes into play, which I think makes the debate closer than what it might be. Yes, speaking off that. I, I'm always reminded to make comparisons to other sports. And when you're talking about Michael Jordan taking small things that he sees from other great basketball players and using them to motivate him, I think of someone like Roger Federer, someone who I admire and watch a lot, someone who's considered one of the greatest of all time in tennis, if not the greatest, but seeing how he fares against Novak Djokovic and, and Rafael Nadal. And I wish he had more of the Michael Jordan mentality because sometimes I feel like he's, of course he's trying to win, but he doesn't have that. I'm going to win no matter what the cost is type mentality because he is friendlier to Novak Djokovic and Rafael Nadal, whoever he's playing, compared to when Michael Jordan was playing you, for example, like when he was playing Charles Barkley in the Phoenix Suns, he hated Charles Barkley. Even if they were friends before that, the minute they started playing, he did everything in his power and in his mind to hate Charles Barkley as much as he needed to to motivate him to win. And I feel like when you do that and when that's your attitude and mentality going into things, it's really hard to rewire your brain to unhate a certain player. Which is why I feel like if Kobe Bryant had entered the league a few years earlier, or if Kobe Bryant hadn't been such a person that was seeking Michael Jordan's advice, they wouldn't have been friends in real life. Because Kobe was seeking MJ's advice. I feel like that's why MJ liked him. But if MJ was, for example, on the Magic team that they had to face, maybe that's why MJ and Shaq aren't really good friends, because MJ had to beat Shaq and he had to motivate himself to beat Shaq. And we saw him trash-talking Shaq in the ninth episode or the 10th episode, one of the two. And he said, I'm not I'm not Shaq, though. Right? So mm-hmm. I think they were talking about the Pacers or maybe the Jazz. I forget. But So I think having that mentality is, is something that I wish some of my other favorite athletes would have. But I think Kobe is like the better version of MJ in that. Kobe found everything he needed to motivate himself. But it's not like if he saw KG off the court, he would hate KG. Him and KG were friends. You know, they both got drafted around the same time. They both went through the league together. And although he was on that Celtics team that they played against in two championships and they lost one, they beat the other, him and KG were still friends. So it's not like Kobe hated every single player. Him and LeBron were still friends. Him and Russell Westbrook were still friends. It's not like he hated these players. So I think, in my mind, that's one thing I learned a lot about Michael Jordan is I always knew that he was a relentless competitor. And I I feel like I knew how great he was because I watched a lot of MJ highlights on YouTube Mm -hmm. when I was a kid. But again, looking into the attitude and seeing what his other teammates talked about him and also seeing the backlash coming off of it. People saying Scottie Pippen very mad at how he was portrayed. People saying Horace Grant was treated super unfairly and just seeing how MJ belittled his teammates was kind of showing me that, wow, maybe, again, kind of echoing what you said, of course I still think Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, but people say and people are still saying that there's no cause to greatness. I think there is because I think if you look at the way Kobe did it, Kobe was still great and had a very similar attitude, but he didn't take it over that line. 
And we heard Jeremy Lin's story. Uh, if you guys haven't, you guys should check it out. Where uh, before the trade deadline, the day before the trade deadline, Kobe Bryant came into practice, into Lakers practice room, and he was injured. And people are like, oh, Kobe, why are you here? And he said, I just want to say goodbye to some of you bumps before you got traded. <laughs> the goat, dude. And hilarious. But the thing is, if you got traded, it wasn't like Kobe was going to talk to you. He had that attitude and he wanted to motivate you, but he wasn't going to not talk to you or he wasn't going to hate you or trash talk you all the time the way that Michael Jordan did. I think Kobe Bryant was like right underneath the line and Michael Jordan was right above the line. I think that's the difference between those two in terms of specifically attitude, which is why when... When when Kobe passed, and even when Kobe didn't like when when Kobe was still alive, people had this reverence to him, and they were okay with going up to him. I think some NBA players that played with MJ are still scared to go up to him. Like I I think if Charles Barkley saw MJ in the room, maybe he like Larry Bird has a good relationship with MJ, but maybe not Chuck, or maybe not someone like Hakeem, or maybe not someone like Clyde Drexler. So I think again that that's really what kind of bothered me th- through watching The Last Dance was just Michael Jordan's attitude. But again, I can't really say anything. And again, MJ said at the end of episode six or seven that there's a cost to greatness, there's a price to greatness, and there's a reason he's the greatest of all time, and that is his attitude. So that's the way he won, and that's why he's the greatest. Well, I got two I got two follow-ups on what you said. So I didn't expect the Federer bash, considering he's your, your like favorite guy, he's your man, because... Roger is unquestionably great, whether it's his his playing, his off the off the court behavior, his just general being an ambassador for the game. He does everything you want of the GOAT, of the greatest of all time. He's relatable with fans. He is superior to his competitors, whether it's Rafa, Djokovic, or or Murray for the time being. I think he and Rafa's rivalry is incredible. They both have the greatest of mutual respect. When they're on the court, they leave it all. And I have nothing bad to say about Federer. Like, yeah, you can say so, I wish he like he wanted to just destroy Rafa on the court and off the court they can be fine, but on the court I just want him to just completely obliterate him. I think he did. I that. think the reason think... why I'm saying that is because I've been talking a lot of tennis with my friends and rewatching old highlights, and there's so many times when Federer was tantalizingly close to winning another Grand Slam or another tournament against Rafael Nadal and against Djokovic, and one that really pops in my mind is 2019 Wimbledon Finals. Federer had two match points against Djokovic in the fifth set and didn't close out. And I just feel like the reason why I love Federer is because he's such a gentleman and uh, he's such an ambassador for the game and he's won the Sportsmanship Award in tennis more than anybody else. So everybody loves him and he's universally adored, which is great. But I feel like if he had more of the MJ Kobe type attitude, the more of the killer mama mentality type attitude, he might have won one or two or three more Grand Slams than he already has. I just feel like that could have pushed him over. And I feel like in a few years when Novak Djokovic gets to 20, or even when Rafael Nadal gets to 20, is at 19, I, I'm pretty confident that both of them will get to 20. Especially when Novak gets to 20, it'll be unquestionable that Novak is the GOAT, just because even right now, it's hard to argue Federer is the GOAT, and Novak has, I think, 16. So I just, as someone who loves Federer so much, I just, I just wish he had that sort of Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan type mentality to push him over the edge. It's not really Federer bashing, and I feel really bad for saying it, but it's just something I've been thinking about the past few days of what if Federer has all this talent and he's such a gentleman, but what if he had this little button that he turned on sometimes where he just went ruthless and didn't care about anything except winning? No, I get 
kind of makes sense but also the thing with basketball is even if you if you have that mentality jordan has and you're having an off game or something you have your teammates to back you like he had scotty when my when jordan was off he had scotty he he had scotty he had rodman for the time being he could rely on paxton and kerr to hit those clutch shots like whether you like to admit it or not you need help in basketball and i think that's one thing a lot of the greats have like kobe had Shaq, Shaq had kobe it just worked well until it didn't obviously but with with tennis you're playing not only your opponent individually but you're playing against your mind when you make a mistake in tennis you have no one to blame but yourself you can't say oh it's my teammate's fault like he did this you can't bash anyone it's just you so i think when you say that you want Federer to have jordan's mentality yeah like i i feel like Federer with McEnroe's attitude would be the greatest tennis player of all time unquestionable like isn't no that just doubt. agassi no agassi wasn't the player Federer is i mean no i know but like isn't I mean I feel like Agassi was a bit more talented than John McEnroe, but had McEnroe's attitude, but just couldn't do it. But without the consistency of Federer, yeah, that's true actually. So I, I mean, it, it's it's just such a fine line in tennis. I think that's why it's you you got to be mindful of. You see players like um, who's the Kyrgios, bro? I love like, the I love Kyrgios, one of my favorite players. Like I think he has that Jordan attitude, but like. No, he with Kyrgios, he no, no, he no, 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 here, listen to me, like, it's half of Jordan and half just, like, the laziest guy ever in tennis. Okay, yeah, right? there like, we He go. just doesn't yeah. care, but yeah. that's that's what I'm saying. In tennis, there's such a broad spectra of, like, what what it takes to be great, so I don't know, like, I, I, I kind of get where you're going at with the I wish Federer was Jordan. I'm taking Federer who he is right now and who he's been for his career. He is... He's something special. And I wanted to I wanted to say your Kobe point was right. Like Kobe needed Jordan to like elevate his game, but despite maintaining that somewhat like ruthless killer on the court mentality, like in his book he wrote about how hard it was to guard Tracy McGrady, how much of a competitor Paul Pierce was. He praised his contemporaries, took what they gave him on the court and kind of he praised them while becoming better. And I think that was one of the oh, you got the book too, man. We got to put this on the video. But <laughs> he's man it just sucks that kobe's gone dude he was the ultimate competitor and he did it in the right way this book i have the book in front of me kobe bryant the mama mentality how i play really one of the best books i've read it is so good i recommend everyone buy the actual physical book i bought it and it's it's pretty great so that dude we'll put the we'll put the link to the book uh, we'll put the affiliate link. No, we're, we're not going to put an affiliate link. But hey, if, if you want to buy it, you should. I, I think it's a great book. But yeah, I think that's all we have with regards to the news plus a really tangential discussion about <laughs> Kobe Bryant and Roger Federer. But now let's move on to our main segment of the episode, Athletes as Avengers. So we're assembling the greatest heroes known to the universe. Uh, I forgot what, 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 their, what their tagline is. The, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's something majestic in superhero. But yeah, but uh, we're we're gonna assemble the Avengers of athletes of Avengers or Avenger athletes, whichever one you want to call it. So some rules that we were going into basically aren't rules other than choose an athlete. I don't really know. Yeah, there were really no rules. You can choose an old athlete or a new athlete. Uh, but I kind of kept with the new athletes. I didn't really choose many old athletes, which I kind of feel guilty of. Maybe no, I it's okay. My, like Jesse Owens for something, but I don't no, know. no, it's okay. My list is it's it borders on mainly contemporary. Like it, it's all people that most people would have heard of. 
I think one one rule was we only took the Avengers that appeared in uh Civil War and we added Hulk and Thor just because Hulk and Thor are epic and don't deserve exclusion on that list. Yeah, we we didn't include many of the garden any of the Guardians of the Galaxy and we didn't include people people like Nebula, we didn't include Captain Marvel. Should have included more female Avengers, but not going to lie. some of those names, but there weren't too many to begin with, which is a problem on Marvel. But yeah, in general, we we try to have some some good representation, but at the same time, keep this list kind of short. Uh, but hopefully, we did a good job. So, let's go into it. So, which Avenger do you want to start off with, Sri? Let's start. Let's start with some of the. You know, let's start with some of the non-mainstream ones, right? So let's go. You want to go Hawkeye first? Sure. Let's go with Hawkeye. Who do you have for Hawkeye? Okay, so we all know Hawkeye is a dead eye shooter. He can. He can aim from anywhere. He can hit from anywhere. He has a wide variety of shots he can hit. He can do more than just fire arrows, though. As evident in Civil War and a lot of the other movies, he's really good with close combat skills. And I thought Alex Ovechkin was like a really good comparison for Hawkeye just because he's such a deadly scorer in the NHL. He is perfect for the role of offensive mastermind. And yeah, Ovechkin kind of means more to his team than what Hawkeye means to his, but... I don't know. I, li- I I like that comparison. I'm going to stick with that. Did you just copy all of Bleacher Report's list or just a few of them? I didn't even see Bleacher. They had a list? Yeah. They, I was doing some research and every single person that had, I think Bleacher Report made one and SB Nation made one and it was like Avengers as athletes and both of them had Hawkeye as Alexander Ovechkin. They had Ovechkin? Shooter. So I was thinking between Ray Allen and Ovechkin just because I wanted to include one NHL player on my list. Like, otherwise, mm. I would have just done everyone basketball going going yeah. on, like, my train of thought. But I was thinking Crosby or Ovechkin, but I think Crosby is a little more all-around than what Ovechkin brings. For sure, yeah. I, I had Steph Curry as my Hawkeye uh, because, you know, he's he's a he's a stone-cold killer in the sense that he's super accurate. He's, he's, a, he's a marksman. He is the marksman the best shooter to ever play this game and hawkeye's the best shooter to ever play the game of shooting bows and arrows in the mcu so <laughs> uh, again you know hawkeye's a family man he has a nice family we got a good look of that in avengers age of ultron has two cute kids but the third on the way and steph curry is a family man you know his wife is really active in the nba community he has three kids which is now what hawkeye has you know and we saw that great that great scene at the beginning of Avengers Endgame where Hawkeye was teaching teaching his daughter how to shoot like a bow and arrow. And we see Steph teaching Riley how to play basketball. So I think the comparisons are perfect. Hawkeye lives in the middle of nowhere. Steph lives in Moraga, which is basically the middle of nowhere. You know, I think the comparisons are super apt. So that's why I believe Steph is Hawkeye. Maybe Hawkeye's wife didn't have like a cookbook and cooking show. But, you know, if she did, it would be the 100% perfect comparison. But I, I didn't want to marginalize Steph's greatness by making him the Hawkeye comparison. I thought that's a disservice to what Steph Curry's done for basketball. I think, I, I think in, in this situation, I am undervaluing Hawkeye's performance in the sense to, to the Avengers. I think one of, my, one of my favorite things of Hawkeye was, especially in Avengers Age of Ultron, when he was trying to motivate Wanda and Quicksilver... When they were in Sokovia, he was like, you know, 
Like, you guys have superpowers. I'm shooting flying robots with, like, a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. And he was, like, this one random guy that really had no, like, superpowers in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like, him and it was him and Natasha. But, really, he was just shooting bows and arrows. And, like, it didn't make sense. And he was just like, this normal guy amongst gods. But it kind of grounded them. And sometimes I feel like when you see Stephen Curry play amongst the lights of Giannis and LeBron, you feel like there's actual NBA players with how ripped they are and, like, how built they are. And Steph's this like small, skinny, lanky kid, and he comes and dominates as well. So I feel like sometimes he's kind of like the Hawkeye of the NBA, where people like say it doesn't make sense. None of this makes sense that this kid can be the greatest shooter ever, but he is. So uh, that's fair. The Dude, one I'm more on thing fire. about this is no, good. One more thing about Hawkeye, I was trying to play at when thinking of this was that he, he kind of knows what it's like to play for both sides when Loki used the scepter to like mind control him. That's why I was thinking Ray Allen because after his years in Boston, he went to Miami. And then he, I, I guess that's like the comparison to the whole mind control part where he switched sides, switched alliances. A lot of his former teammates turned on him and some really tried to talk to him, try and like figure out why he did what he did. But I don't know. That's, that was kind of a stretch in terms of the entire league this. turned on Steph Curry when KD went to the Warriors. So there you go with my comparison well, too. I don't think they turned on Steph more than they turned on Durant. And I'll come to that uh, later. Of course. But, oh man, that's a good one. Okay, cool. Uh, who's the next Avenger you want to do? You want to do uh, Bucky? Let's do Bucky. I want, I want to hear what you got for this one. This one was hard for me. Yeah, this one was really hard, but I think I got a good one. I have Tiger Woods. So, was was really good at the beginning of his career, then had like a little thing, and that's when Bucky, you know, fell off the train and was in Hydra in Russia and the Hydra base camp thing and, you know, got the middle arm, that whole thing. Now he came back and he's still super good and he's a bit confused, but then he like does super well. And that's like Tiger winning the Masters last year. And this is great. And also the comparison is like Bucky has a metal arm, has an arm made of iron. And Tiger Woods uses an iron because an iron is a golf club. So there's, there's that comparison as well type deal. And like his arm is really great because obviously he's a golfer, just like Bucky's arm is really great. So I just feel like it's a really... This was a hard one, so like it's a bit of a stretch, but I think it's good personally. I don't know. What do you have? I think it's good too, and I'm glad I didn't put Tiger because then we just keep having the same things. Um, I put John McEnroe for Bucky because initially Bucky was pretty misunderstood. Like the Avengers didn't really understand. I mean, other than Cap, obviously, like they they viewed Bucky as dangerous unpredictable causing the which scene. he was which he it, was. which he was right and he made some mistakes including like murdering tony's parents when he was under like enemy control and in reality he has a lot of heart over time it becomes like super easy to root for him he's sebastian stan is just brilliant playing the role and he becomes beloved by everyone who's like followed his entire plot line in the mcu and in the comics and I think now with John McEnroe narrating Never Have I Ever, he's kind of experiencing that that like revival of his career and just how much heart he had, what a firecracker he was on the court. And that's kind of my interpretation of So his the revival of his career is not him narrating every single Grand Slam for ESPN. It's instead narrating a TV show on Netflix. That's in, his revival of his career. In the mainstream, because I don't think a lot of people really watch tennis with keeping the commentator in mind okay i mean hey sure i can see that cool we want to go next let's go with uh falcon all right i got a good one for this so falcon falcon's kind of an upstart right and especially now he's got to take on a much larger role now that his mentor is gone 
with Cap becoming old, living out his dream. And now Falcon being the new Captain America. Exactly. He does a lot with possibly less capability than some of the other Avengers, but his weaponry is state-of-the-art. He knows how to use it in combat to the fullest. I think he's the best flyer out of the Avengers when you include War Machine and some of the other Guardians. He still feels like kind of a mismatch when you go up against him because you're like, oh, he doesn't really have that much advanced tech. He doesn't have any superpowers until you actually see him in action. Um, Winter Soldier is a good example of how useful Falcon is in a combat setting. He knows how to fly smart. He knows projectiles. Kind of understands his place on the the Avengers and his role. He's a funny guy. He's a loyal guy. He'll do anything for any of the other Avengers, especially Steve. He needs a little more exposure, and that's why I said Christian Pulisic, the youngest captain in United States soccer history, Chelsea, but he hasn't really done anything in his career so far. He's got to do more, and I think he's the future of American soccer. This is both terrible, but also kind of good, because I guess Landon Donovan and Clint Dempsey kind of being old, they're giving the shield to Christian Pulisic to lead the U.S. soccer team to be the next captain of America. To be the next Captain America. Exactly. Uh, but that was also... Other than that, I think it was a terrible comparison. I, I'm not going to lie. It just did not... You gave all this great stuff about Falcon, and then you said Christian Pulisic, and I was just like, why? None of it makes sense. It does. I don't know about that. All right. I, I'll hear why it doesn't mine, make sense later. Mine is pretty bad as well. This was honestly the hardest one for me. I said Vince Carter, purely because the only reason why was that Falcon can fly, and I feel like I wanted to put someone that can fly, and Vince Carter can fly, and they're both pretty funny and cool. And, yeah, I mean, honestly, this was the worst. I I think Christian Pulisic is somewhat better than Vince Carter because you have more reasons why. They're both bad, but yours is more bad than mine. Yeah, but this was the hardest one, which is why I'm glad we got it out of the way. True. Um, and we're not, yeah, here to, so we're not here to talk about whose list is better or worse. This is all just super open interpretation. But this my list hard. is better, but, yeah. Hey, you want to play that game? Let's go. All right, who's next? Who do you want to do? Let's, let's do Let's do War Machine. Okay, who? Who do you have for War Machine? Okay, young Rhodey, man, overcame a tremendous physical impairment. He was paralyzed in the Battle of Wakanda, shot down by Vision. He was not paralyzed in the Battle of Wakanda. He was paralyzed in Civil War. In Civil War, sorry. Oh, no, no, no. This is my notes for something else. Sorry. He was paralyzed in Civil War when he was shot by Vision's laser had to come back from a huge injury to once again become a high-level contributor. He's clinical in his combat work. He's one of the smoothest Avengers, both in terms of his one-liners, how he talks, as well as his actual fighting ability. It's a weird one. I I said Paul George. He's one of the smoothest players in the league, often overlooked, just a really clinical, smart player. I don't know. So who do you have as uh, as your Tony Stark then? Do you really want to know? Yeah, I, I want to know. Well, no, that defeats the purpose. Those are the big guys. We'll get to them light, later. They're, okay, they're not, I, no, I'm because... not relating the two. Because in Avengers, obviously, like, War Machine and Tony are, like, inextricably linked. But I'm not doing that. I'm just individually okay. talking okay, no, about cool. it. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. Okay. That's a pretty good comparison, actually. I like to think about the injury, so. Who do you have? Cool. So, Mine is linked to who I have for Tony Stark. So maybe by saying who I have for War Machine, you can guess. Who I'm going to guess Tony. Tony. But, I mean, you can guess if you want right now. But for War Machine, I have Rafael Nadal. Because I feel like Rafael Nadal has 
I mean, I'm just going to say, I feel like I have to compare it to Tony because then it makes total sense. Go. So I'm going to have to reveal my Tony Stark if, if that's okay with you, Shree. I, I don't care. Okay, so my Tony Stark is Roger Federer. Right, that's a terrible comparison. No, it's a great comparison. And okay, first let's go with Tony Stark, Roger Federer. So Tony Stark is, is considered like the, the genius, like billionaire, philanthropic playboy. And I feel like that almost describes Roger Federer, except he's more of a family man. But, you know, Tony Stark is like smooth. He's cool. He has all the weapons in the book. He's like talented. And I feel like that's Roger Federer, you know, he's such a smooth, suave guy. Everybody loves him. Universally beloved, has all the tools in the book with regards to tennis He's like he he exudes like swag in like a like a suave kind of way. He's a playboy without being it. He dresses so nice all the time. He's like the best dressed player in men's tennis and one of the best dressed players in the world with regards to sport. So that's why I feel like he's and he's also super rich. So that's why I feel like he's Tony Stark. And then with regards to Nadal as as War Machine, War Machine and and Tony Stark are really good friends and War Machine kind of came after Tony Stark of course because Tony Stark in in real life you know, gave a suit to the U.S. Army, and that's what War Machine uses. And War Machine still has a lot of good weaponry, but he was in the Army, so he has more of, like, a tough attitude. He's still a funny guy, but he's much more of a serious person than Tony Stark is. And also, again, as you said, he came back from injury, so I feel like, again, Nadal is much more of a serious person than Federer is, but still a very funny person. Came after him, but, you know, both of them are, are good friends and make a good team. We've seen Federer and Nadal play a few doubles matches together. They're pretty good. And also... Nadal had a few points in his career where he was injured, but he came back from that. He mm-hmm. came back pretty strong, and now he's still a really good player, and he's almost as good as as as, as Federer. So I feel like that's why I have War Machine as Nadal and Tony Stark as, as Roger Federer. I really like the Nadal pick if you didn't tell me that Federer was Tony. Why do you not like the Federer-Tony pick? Because I thought that was my best pick, and when, I was like, dude, this is great. The thing with Tony is when you first meet him, he doesn't really come off as like well-liked. You know what I'm saying? Like it's the same See, the way. The thing is, when you first met Roger Federer, he didn't come off as well liked. I don't think so. There was never. The there was no in 2000, 2001. He said to throw temper we tantrums on the court. We were goddamn three years old. I didn't care who was playing tennis, bro. It I was trying matter. to learn how to walk. <laughs> it doesn't matter when 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 the people of the world first met Roger Federer. He wasn't super well liked, but then uh, his coach died, and it really toughened him up and made him practice a lot more and become more serious. And then he has that cool, calm demeanor. So I feel like that's the same thing with Roger Federer. He came on the court initially when he first came on the scene. People didn't like him, but then he came on. And again, he has every single weapon in his arsenal. He's rich. He's suave. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's a cool guy. Everyone wants to be him. I don't everyone, know. I, everyone does want to be him. But I, I also thought Tony was more of the selfish, cocky, arrogant type than the... Yeah, the, that's the one thing where I was like, it's the, it's it's hard to make... A, it's Again, this is not a one-to-one oh, comparison. Of course, of course. But I just feel like when I think of Roger Federer and an Avenger counter type, I think of Tony Stark. There's no one else. Fair. I will save Tony for later. I don't okay, want to cool. do Tony right now. You want to do? Sorry, just for me, it worked really well with War Machine. Oh no, of course. The, your, your your guys are linked. Yeah. Let's do Black Panther. Who do you have for Black Panther? I have a cultural figure. Okay. A, a suave man. A background rooted in tradition, provides for his friends in need, whether it's the Jamaican track team or just anyone who looks up to him in terms of a running perspective. He fights for what he believes is right. He's done a lot of activism work. He has? Um, yeah, he actually has. Okay, cool. I didn't know this that. Was, this was some research I did. Good job. 
He has amazing tech that he uses in combat, also known as his ridiculous shoes. Just stands out in every Olympic meet. And he's a really good interviewee. Like he has he has really good quotes. He's funny. I've heard him in like one or two podcasts before, and he's always been pretty entertaining. You Wait, say so Bolt. Black Black Panther is a good interviewee. Is that, is that, like, I've, I've never heard interviews with Black Panther, and people are like, oh man, Black Panther is a really good interviewee. I'm comparing this guy being interviewed to Black Panther just talking. Okay. I, I don't think. King you know, the, is it's like the lines. Speaking, it's like the lines that we don't do this here. You know, like in, in Black Panther, how he like just says like random things that are just like hella funny. I think Bolt's like that. Okay. I like the comparison. I really like the comparison. I, I, I love the cultural aspect of it. I think it's a good comparison. Yeah. Mine what? is uh, mine is pretty bad, but I like it. I have Aaron Donald as Black Panther. Um, because, Interesting take. Yeah, I, I just, the cultural aspect of it, I don't really know. But I feel like if you look at Aaron Donald, the spirit that T'Challa embodies when he's Black Panther, I feel like Aaron Donald embodies when he's on the football field. And they're both beasts physically and mentally. They're both crazy all-rounded people. And I just think that, I mean, granted, I, I don't think Aaron Donald is like very spiritual or cultural or he doesn't fit King Chaw on that in that sort of way, you're, you're kind of going more for like the place. like the physical attributes and the like the raw yeah. strength they both have, right? Exactly, yeah, and also just I think their attitudes and when when they're on the battlefield are very similar. I agree. They're willing I, to take it on. That. They're willing to take it on all themselves. If you look at that that Super Bowl with with the Rams against the the Patriots, like it was basically Aaron Donald versus all six or all five Patriots offensive linemen. It was pretty crazy. That's kind of every game Aaron Donald's involved in. And, dude, and he still gets so many sacks. So, I mean, Bro. like when King Gatal was facing Killmonger's army, not Killmonger's army, when he was facing, um, I forgot what the other tribe was, but when, when you know, when Killmonger, all that stuff was happening in Black Panther, it was basically him versus everyone. And he mm-hmm. was still like beating up everyone, even though it's him on everyone. And then if you look at an in Infinity War, uh, him against Thanos' army, it was basically him fighting off so many people at the same time. So uh-huh. it's always like Black Panther versus like 15 million people. But he still managed to do so well. So Makes sense. No, I, I, I like the Aaron Donald comp. Not not really from like the background perspective, but more of like the just the raw strength they both have. I, I think Donald's not underrated. He's paid like he should be. He's talked about as one of the best defensive players all time. It still just doesn't feel like people respect him enough. Exactly. Yeah. I feel like he isn't very well known. I was talking to one of my friends. And I was like, I'm gonna put Aaron Donald as Black Panther, and he's like, Who's Aaron Donald? He doesn't really follow football that much, so I just feel like Aaron Donald isn't like a household name yet. Oh, I the way that Tom be. Brady is, but yeah, no, makes sense. Yeah. All right, I want to do Vision next. Who do you have for Vision? I have no logic for Vision. I just put Kawhi because they're both just not human. Oh, I see that. I see that. Yeah, that's the my only logic though. Oh, okay. That's all you have to say? I could not figure something out for Vision. I was trying to think, like, mm. who's someone really smart, like, knows, knows like, all the actions that they do is going to cause something. I was trying to think of, like, the like baseball players or basketball players with, like, high IQ. So I was thinking of players like Mike Trout, Chris Paul, but none, none of them just seem to fit other than Kawhi, man. Kawhi's a brilliant basketball player, understands offense, defense. He's, I think he's one of the best players in the last 20 years 
one of the top five players from the last 20 years that might be I don't a know why you're I don't know why you're struggling on saying that I think he's like no I was there. I was thinking in the last 20 years can you name four players just better than Kawhi Kobe LeBron and then Durant yeah I was thinking KD and then Duncan yeah, oh yeah Timmy D yeah sorry to, maybe not top five maybe he might he might be a top 10 player in this last 20 years but yeah Kawhi's smart knows his role He's a superstar, and he's not human. I get that. Yeah, makes sense. Kawhi doesn't get Kawhi doesn't have emotions. He gets software updates, man. Hey, man, Vision got emotions for Wanda, so true. And Kawhi's got emotions for strip clubs. <laughs> oh man, I have uh, Ronaldo as as my Vision. Hmm. So the reason I chose that is like when you see Ronaldo's body physically. It feels like God made him or like he was made in a lab. He's mm-hmm. really, he has, he has a great, he's a physical specimen. People always say like Ronaldo is like if, if like Michelangelo, Michelangelo made a, like a statue. He's kind of like the David. He's like chiseled and he's just like a perfect human being in that sense. And I think Vision again was created in a lab environment. He was created as what Ultron was supposed to be go into the next body so i think he was creating a lab and i feel like sometimes vision looks like he was or ronaldo looks like he was creating a lab and ronaldo's a very underratedly intelligent soccer player people oh for sure give ronaldo a lot of crap because you know he's ronaldo especially if you're messy fans but one thing that really opened my mind to ronaldo is this one series that castrol edge did called like inside ronaldo it's not called inside ronaldo it was, i forgot what it was called that'd be, a weird, that'd be a weird series name just inside ronaldo they did like a four-part series on ronaldo and they measured his iq and they measured his physical basically what makes ronaldo a great player and in one of them and in, in one of the things they did they gave him a cross and they turned the lights off and like right when the cross was hit and he had to score like a header or kick the ball in the goal essentially from like a like it was, he was inside the box, but still they gave a cross from like twenty yards out, mm-hmm. and he did it two times in a row. One time he actually headed it in, and one time he kicked it off the bounce with the lights off once the ball was kicked. Yeah. So he's super intelligent, and so I think Vision is also super intelligent. And sometimes it doesn't feel like Ronaldo has emotions when he's just like on the on the pitch mm-hmm. like crazy. I, it wasn't my my greatest comparison, but I just thought when I look at Vision, I just see like Ronaldo standing upright and tall. So no, that's fair. And Ronaldo and Messi are always going to be criticized as not reaching that like pinnacle of World Cup success, but their their individual accomplishments are second to none. Definitely, it's called Ronaldo tested to the limit. If anybody wants to search it up on on YouTube, it's 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 a great series, but it's pretty crazy. You said it was castor oil that did it. Castrol Edge, or the people that sponsored. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. But I don't remember the name. Yeah, I don't know. That's just me. But got it. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Let's do. Speaking of vision, vision. Nah. Let's do Wanda next. So who do you have for Wanda? Bro. Okay. I have so much to say about Wanda. She's supremely underrated. I think she's one of the three strongest Avengers, bro. She literally bent Thanos against his will in Endgame. Spoilers, if you haven't seen this, and that caused and the Infinity whole like. War. And Infinity War, but she caused the whole like rain fire when Thanos just ordered complete gunfire and lasers and everything on the battlefield. Kind of turning the tide of that battle and spelling doom for his own men. And she had the whole transformation of going from, 
Hydra to Ultron, gaining perspective, realizing what was right. Ended up choosing wisely with Hawkeye's help and helping the Avengers. I'm not really focusing on that as much. I'm kind of just focusing on the underrated aspect. And when I think of underrated like woman athletes, Cheryl Miller comes to mind. And she didn't play in the WNBA. She had a bunch of injuries, but when she was in when she was at USC, she was the best women's basketball player of all time. And she played in the Olympics. She led the team in scoring. Reggie Miller has said that she would beat him consistently in one-on-ones. She was drafted by a men's league, if I'm not wrong, when she first came out of college. She was selected. Wait, give me one sec. Let me look this up. She was. She was drafted by the United States Basketball League, which is a men's league. But then in the late 80s, she had a bunch of knee injuries that prevented her from continuing her playing career. She then ended up head coaching and doing a lot of other stuff. But Cheryl Miller, man, I looked up some old highlights. She was the real deal. She's crazy. I remember watching a few documentaries on Reggie Miller. They would always feature like, if it was like a 60-minute doc on Reggie Miller, like 30 minutes of it would be about Cheryl Miller Mm -hmm. because she was so good. And so, yeah, that's a pretty good comparison. For me, I feel like if we would have had Captain Marvel in here, I would put the person I have for Wanda for Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. But we don't, so I'm putting them for Wanda. I have Serena Williams for Wanda. Makes sense. Because, again, I think Serena Williams is super powerful. Crazy, crazy good at tennis, of course. The greatest women's tennis player and I think the second best tennis player of all time, other than Roger Federer. Mm-hmm. First best if you're counting how many singles and doubles titles in success she has. And so she's super crazy powerful, but again, super underrated. People always forget about her. She's a bit emotional, just like Wanda is sometimes. But I think Wanda uses her emotions to to win and to get the better of her. And so does Serena Williams. But sometimes Wanda uses her emotions and her emotions get to her, like what happened in Captain America Civil War. Mm-hmm. But super underrated, super powerful again, and just a, a really overall good team player Wanda is. And again, Serena Williams having so many doubles titles with her with her sister, I think, is a great team player as well. So, I like that. More people. Thank you. I'm waiting for the WandaVision series on Disney Plus. I need more people to like put some respect on Wanda's name. I think the WandaVision series is going to be weird. Based on the on the trailer that that came up, it seemed like it was going to be really really weird and not really showcase how powerful Wanda is, which I'm fine with. Like. The real people, the people that know, know how powerful Wanda is. So, you know, it is what it is, but. Alrighty. Uh, who do we got left? We have Spidey, Hulk, Thor, Ant-Man. Um, I think we have Black Widow. Yeah, let's do, let's start with Spider-Man. Who, who, do, who do you have for Spider-Man? All right. So our boy Peter Parker is irrationally brave. He always thinks he can do more than what he's tasked with. He follows in the footsteps of his Avengers father figure, who I'll get to later. And you might guess it from this. He acts and thinks in a similar way to Tony. He's cocky, yet not as brash. Powerful, and arguably one of the most versatile Avengers in terms of what he can do to help a team. Also, his his new suit is ridiculous. He can do anything. I think if you could think of a power, he probably has it in his suit. Just presses a button, voice commands, talks to it, whatever. And he always just wants to keep learning and doing stuff. And I thought Spidey was Kobe. Interesting comparison. Very interesting comparison. Okay. 
I need some I need some time to think about. I don't know. I just for me, Spider Man is always a kid. So putting Kobe as Spider Man is just like a. It just. It, I know. think it makes more sense when I explain who Tony. Oh, is. Oh, so basically you're saying, Tony is uh, MJ. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. I and mean, I'll explain yeah. it later. No, I I get it. It's just I mean seeing. Okay, I guess from that perspective, with if you put MJ as MJ was when Kobe came into the league, then Kobe would be a kid when MJ was like in his late thirties, early forties. I mean, Tony's in his late forties, early fifties, but still, okay, that 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 makes sense. Then I, I totally get that. That's a pretty good comparison, dude. Good job. Thanks, Damn. dude. Yeah, Who I have Kylian Mbappe, uh, mm. the the French soccer player. Uh, first off, a remarkable similarity. Uh, the French. Soccer team's kits, their jersey colors are, wow, what do you know? Blue and red. What are what Spider-Man's uh, costume, suit, super suit, suit colors? Blue and red. Wow, what a comparison right off the bat. But also just, you know, Kylian Mbappe's young, but he's one already one of the best players in the world. He's super fast, and Spider-Man's really quick. He has a young, spunky attitude. He's always trying to have fun. He's always trying to smile on the pitch, but he's also able to keep up with the best of the best. He was able to lead his team to a World Cup victory in the 2018 World Cup. It was in 2018, right? Yes, yeah. yes. 2018 World Cup. Yeah. And he's young. He has a lot to prove. He's still hungry. Um, with regards to the whole looking up to his... Uh, I don't have a comparison because I already said Tony Stark was Roger Federer for me, but I think mm-hmm. Mbappe is really young and he has that spunky attitude. And just he, he reminds me a lot of Spider Man. He, he reminds me of a kid that somehow when he puts on his his jersey transforms into like this crazy superhero. You know, when you see Kylian Mbappe off the pitch, he seems like a kid. I mean, dude, he's younger than me and you. Bro, but yeah. He's literally one of the world's greatest soccer players. So I think that's crazy and that's why I think he's Mbappe. But I think that's super accurate actually. He's also a huge fan favorite, which the Spidey comparison in that sense also is like dead on. Exactly. Yeah. Mbappe kind of exploded after that World Cup. He was well. He was known before. He was kind of like that that like prodigy coming up. Uh, I don't know if you remember. Actually, you probably do. Freddie Adu coming up in of the course, United States course. soccer. It's hugely talked about. It ended up being a huge bust. This is kind of who Freddie Adu was supposed to be. Yeah, and definitely. Mbappe's been a monster. Yeah. Let's do Ant Man next. Who do you have for Ant Man? All right. Ant Man is small but can play big. He does a lot of the dirty work that the other team members don't really do. He Can I warps... guess it at the end of your thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He warps the dimensions of the field. He makes the opposing enemies instantly turn their focus towards stopping him and singularly him, especially when he does his size transformations and gets inside circuitry and does all that, that like harsh, dirty work. And he's not the most physically imposing, but he's pound for pound one of the most relentless athletes. Who is it? Okay, so I thought initially it was going to be Altuve, but now I think it might be Messi. But who is it? I said Christian McCaffrey. Oh, oh, that's a really good comparison, actually. Yeah. He's like a small running back, but feared. And at least this past season, no one on the Panthers was worth a damn except McCaffrey. And Kyle Allen and Will Greer. Man, get them out of here. Okay, fine. Luke Keekley though, before he retired. Fair, but when you're, when you're on offense, there's yeah, no, no one you care bad. about on the Panthers but McCaffrey. For me, I, I was thinking Altuve, but then I put Messi because I felt like if you're putting Avengers together, you could not put Messi in there. Mm-hmm. But again, I think Messi is small. Initially, always when you look at like a lineup of people, you look at him and he's like a regular guy and you're like, what is what is this? But then when he 
comes onto the pitch when when Ant-Man steps onto the floor. Again, pound for pound, one of the greatest athletes of all time, supremely talented, just has some innate thing inside of them. And Scott Lang has the innate thing inside of him, which is why Hank Pym saw him and picked him to to be the next Ant-Man. You know, he saw him break into... I forgot what the what the first company he broke into his name was the reason why I went to jail. But he saw him do that and gave him the Ant-Man suit because he's like, you have the talent already. You just need to learn. And also, one of Barcelona's he, kick colors is red. In, wait, wait, didn't he break into the Avengers facility? Was that Yeah, he broke his... into the Avengers facility. No, so basically, Ant-Man like, was his regular guy, Scott Lang, and he broke into like this his company because they're stealing millions of dollars. Right, so he right, broke right, into right, that right. company's security system, then got put into jail. Uh-huh. Then got like released and then broke into hank pym's house who let him break in by leaking it yeah it's kind of a test yeah the test and then after that when he was getting trained and stuff he had to go to the avengers facility to get something i forgot what he needed to get something and that's where he beat falcon mm, yeah, yeah, at the yeah. avengers facility so oh that scene is yeah. so funny yeah a really good scene and then you know again with, with the colors barcelona's kick colors one of their colors is is, is red and ant-man is red and so really going for these visual stimuli yeah i don't know i just i mean granted i don't think i don't think anybody in the sports world can live up to the type of humor that paul rudd brings to the character of ant-man oh definitely and scott lang is his name scott lang i'm pretty sure it's yeah scott lang okay cool yeah but uh yeah well one of my favorite moments of all time ever in life is uh during ant-man and the wasp which was the second ant-man movie the sequel during press runs of that uh like one person asked everybody like in the cast that they're interviewing they're interviewing one person at a time they were like what is the name of thor's hammer and evangeline evangeline lily was like trying to say (laughs) and she was like and she was struggling she was like or whatever like something and then freaking paul rudd was just like jeff (laughs) god paul rudd does not age bro I know it's crazy. He he still looks like late thirties. I think he's like almost fifty, right? I know he is. I think he's like fifty something. I forget. Jeez, but Got them good genes, man. Crazy, crazy, crazy. But I mean, yeah, that that's my comparison is Messi. I just felt guilty for leaving Messi off. So it was like, if I mean, I, I was really thinking about Altuve, but. No, it makes sense. Now you got you got three you got three football players. You got Mbappe, you got Ronaldo, and you got Messi. I was really trying to include all the sports, but I left off like all fighting sports. Left off all boxing and yeah. Speaking of fighting and boxing, you want? Oh to do... no, hold on. Sorry, I, I, I want to make amends. I just remembered he didn't say Jeff. He said Jonathan. He called Majolnir Jonathan, which is again really funny. But <laughs> you want to do one of the Hulk slash Thor? slash yeah well let's go with uh you know let's finish off uh okay so i guess these are our six original i mean we we did a hawkeye but these are our we five haven't original done avengers we haven't done uh black widow yet yeah so let's do black widow and then we can move on to hulk thor cap and tony sounds good all right let's do I, let's do black widow you, you i have start. simone biles do you have simone biles no i don't okay good <laughs> okay yeah the reason I chose Simone Biles is because, she, I don't know, she's super athletic and she's a gymnast. And Natasha has a gymnastics background. 
you you see you see that especially in Iron Man two when she's beating up those people in in Army Hammers, or not Army Hammers, sorry, in um Justin Hammers uh facility right to get to, mm-hmm. what Evangelico whatever that guy's name is, um but anyways yeah she's she's super athletic in that sense and Simone Biles is a gymnast and I just think they're both like super cool I don't know I I tried thinking of Natasha for that but I, I couldn't think of anything other than Simone Biles I I couldn't think of anything other than a gymnast for an athlete comparison. For Black Widow, personally, but yeah, I mean, I I was gonna put a gymnast. I was thinking Gabby Douglas, Simone Biles, but I ended up picking Alex Morgan because mm, I was gonna put that actually, but because Natasha Romanoff in the in the show in the in the MCU in general, she's confident. She's she she has beauty and intelligence. She's very self assured. She's a she has like ridiculous athletic ability, and she's never out of a situation, even when it looks like all hope is lost. Like. I'll never get over that scene where she's like tied to a chair and she's like, like someone called her and, and Nick Fury. Like, or... No, no, it wasn't. Yeah, Nick. it was. I don't think it was Nick Fury. It was like Coulson. I thought I thought it was Coulson. Yeah, yeah. And then she was just like, I, I, I'm almost done. This guy's like giving me everything, and she was like maintaining that like supreme confidence even when yeah, it looked like she was pretty screwed. And she doesn't really hold anything back, and I think that's the way Alex Morgan plays soccer, mm-hmm. like. She's one of the all-time greats in U.S. women's soccer history, and I don't think she's stopping anytime soon. Yeah, I think Natasha is a very complicated character, and it's hard to put any one athlete as her. Yeah, because her backstory is extremely muddled, and which we haven't even explored entirely yet. Which the movie that was supposed to release, I believe, this month Mm -hmm. was supposed to give us some insight in. So. I think it was going to be out by now. Yeah, I think it was going to be literally out like this past weekend. Like this, oh, crazy. But yeah, that one was hard. Yeah. Now let's go with a uh, Hulk. Who do you have for Hulk? <laughs> Hulk Hogan. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I have this. This is a very, a very curious choice. So I I treated this as Hulk slash Banner. So there's two personas. There's one who's an absolute beast destroys everyone in his path associated with complete damage and chaos he's unstoppable but there's another side who's like very in touch with his emotions he wants to accept and wants to love but he doesn't really know how to like process those emotions or feelings he's unsure of himself and he's very sensitive that's why i said kevin durant because you have the killer on the court who can't really be stopped no one can guard him he's seven foot as Stephen a says with a six whatever wingspan seven foot wingspan i don't even know he can pull up from 30 he can get the mid-range he can drive to the hoop he can score on anybody he's become a really good defender he's one of the best nba players of all time but off the court kevin durant is a whole other issue and warrior fans are kind of getting tired of this stuff just talking about how he felt he was isolated here and thunder fans are tired of him talking about how he was playing with a bunch of nobodies aside from westbrook and it just feels like he hasn't embraced who he is yet. And I'm I'm like sad about that because he's obviously a very insightful guy. He has a lot of stuff to say, but he's just kind of annoying sometimes. And that's kind of how Banner is. Yeah, I feel that. For me, I had Shaq as my Hulk because no, obviously, obviously, you know, the Hulk part you, you get with Shaq, you know, very obvious comparison. Mm-hmm. And first off, Shout out to Aditya Katecha for, for giving me this one. But the, the more I thought about it for the banner part of it, 
Shaq is underratedly a very intelligent person. He has a doctorate in education. He has a PhD. He's literally a doctor. Mm-hmm. Not literally a doctor, but you know, he has a doctorate. And he's a super smart and savvy businessman. He has tons of franchises. He's, you know, a great businessman. He's a world class DJ now. DJ Diesel. <laughs> so he's like so he's so multifaceted. His analysis, especially on TNT, is actually some of the better analysts there. He's way better than Chuck. I will Dude, he's okay. I will he's withhold Chuck. judgment on calling him a great analyst. He seems very stuck in the past slash thinks of himself too highly. He is a, a great NBA. He's a top 10 NBA player, but you know. Anyways, I, I think he's a lot smarter than people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a genius like Banner is, but I think when thinking about like the Hulk specifically, obviously the Hulk and Shaq make sense on the court, but off the court, Hulk is also like Banner. Sorry, Shaq is also like Banner in, in, in the sense that He's a smart guy, so. Who do you think Endgame Hulk is? Oh, like Professor Hulk? Yeah, Professor Hulk. Hmm. That's a... That's a toughie. I'd have to say Professor Hulk... No, Professor Hulk is like LeBron. Because, like, LeBron is somehow, like, a very smart guy and a genius at the same time is also, like, a ruthless, like, savage... Mm-hmm. Amazing athlete that can destroy you on the court and is very ripped. I don't know who that is. I don't know who Professor Hulk is. Because LeBron is a very savvy business person. You yeah, know, but, but Professor Hulk is also thing. Professor Hulk is also kind of like kind of unpredictable. Eh, no, I, Professor I don't Hulk think was LeBron very is, predictable. LeBron isn't super unpredictable. It's like no, everything I, of his is dude, calculated. I thought Professor Hulk was Professor Hulk was literally just Hulk's body, but Banner's mind. And I feel like that's LeBron. He has the body of like a superhuman, like a like an athlete, like a freak, but he has the mind of someone who's smart, calm, and composed. The entire time during Avengers Endgame, there's nothing unpredictable that Professor Hulk ever did. Aside from almost losing Scott Lang in time travel. Okay, in the yeah, beginning. but that was like a thing where he didn't know how time travel worked until Tony Stark came along. Mm-hmm. You know? That wasn't like unpredictable. That was just banner being banner. Yeah, I guess. I yeah, LeBron's not bad. Yeah. Sure. Uh, LeBron is Professor Hulk for the time being. All right. Let's go. Let's go Thor. Let's go with Thor. I I had I had LeBron as Thor. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I don't know. I I was gonna put Clay Matthews, but I thought that was that was a cop out. Uh, so I put LeBron because Thor is arguably one of the most powerful Avengers, with his hammer or or without his hammer, and he's kind of had renaissances in a sense and i feel like thor is i don't know I, I this was a really hard one for me because i think thor ragnarok and avengers and infinity game did a lot for thor's story that made him a multifaceted character mm-hmm. i feel like especially in the first thor movie thor, 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 thor the dark world and um even ultron and the first Avengers movie is very one-sided, but him losing basically all his family, him losing his mom and losing his dad, him fighting Hela, him raising, him realizing that, you know, basically the entirety of his existence was kind of a lie with regards to, um, uh, what, where's Thor from? I, that's not Valhalla. Asgard. What is Asgard. It? Asgard. Thank you. Slipped my mind. Realizing the, the, the foundation Asgard was built upon is a lie as Hela revealed to him. And then all of the Asgardians, losing their home. Thor's been through a lot, you know? And you can see when Rocket talks to him about that and being Thor being fat 
But I just think like LeBron is in in terms of the power that Thor has a, a, a great Thor. But the other aspects of it, I wasn't too sure. Thor was honestly one of the harder ones for me. But I was like, screw it, I'll put LeBron. So I put LeBron. I had Hulk Hogan initially for Thor, but that felt lazy just because yeah, like Hogan was the WWF champion for like four years straight from like eighty four to eighty eight. He's one of the the names that people just know when you think of wrestling and strength. And he's a very brash guy. He's powerful. He's mighty. He has powers that like very few other wrestlers have. But did you keep him as a store or did you put someone else? I put LeBron, bro. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. Okay. That's nice to hear. Just because I thought, I thought LeBron kind of, he did more than just act mighty and powerful and thor kind of grew into that as as his character developed like initially he was just an idiot kind of but then when he met the guardians and he kind of learned from jane especially like he learned how to be human and he became a really likable dude he became someone whose over time their reputation got better and that's something with lebron where in the beginning he was this this physical specimen, but no one really liked him. Like I can't, I can't say I I hated LeBron. I respected his game, but I never really liked him until his like. You were post- a big LeBron fan, man. Come on. No, I liked his game, but I didn't like the person. You know what I'm saying? Like everyone loves Thor's powers in the beginning. No one really likes what a like cocky, brash, like kind of asshole that he is. But that's true. I, th- I think uh, I think Thor Ragnarok really changed that. Ragnarok was huge in his development. I thought the Miami Heat was big in LeBron's development, made him kind of more personable. And then when he went back to the Cavs, he he really embraced that image. And now he's one of the most likable dudes in the NBA. So, yeah, I think that's a cool. good comparison. Wow, is this our yeah. first one that's the same? Yeah. Okay, so we've already heard my Tony Stark as Roger Federer. So who do you have as Tony Stark? I think it's uh, Michael Jordan, right? I've already guessed it. But. It is Jordan, and it's because Tony doesn't really come off as well-liked. Michael Jordan doesn't really come off as well-liked, especially after Last Dance. Tony's a genius. Michael Jordan is a basketball genius and a businessman who is a genius with his... Wait. Oh, yeah. Genius moves, drafting uh, Kwame Brown. Also having the biggest shoe company and having Patrick Ewing wearing Jordan brand apparel for Georgetown. So I would consider him a brand genius. 50-50. 50-50. His, his, okay, as, as a GM, he's a terrible... He's a I'm terrible not talking... No, we're not talking about the Hornets. We don't talk about the Hornets on this podcast. But Jordan, the businessman. You also... From wait, a shoe perspective. One of what I genius. realized really quickly, so many teams or so many players have their highest scored points against the Hornets. Like, LeBron scored a LeBron lot of points 60, against the Hornets. He had a 61-point game against the Hornets. Even Kobe had, like, 50 or 60 against the Hornets. Like, I think Melo had a bunch of points. against Every team that plays the Hornets, they score a bunch the, of points. It's because the Hornets have been so bad for so long. Oh, no, I know. It was just, I, like, I was looking at it, and I saw, like, four players that had their career highs against the Hornets, or the Bobcats, as they were. Bro, before. the Bobcats were the biggest meme ever. Gerald but, Wallace, man. Gerald Wallace, Emeka Okafor, early Kemba Walker. But really, really funny team. Yeah, I mean, Tony single-handedly changes the outcomes of events, just like Michael Jordan in the fourth quarter of games. You know, Tony's not well liked, but at the end of the day, he has the right intentions, and I think that's what Michael Jordan had. Like, obviously, like you said earlier, there's a price to greatness, and Jordan knew that, but he still focused on the winning, and ultimately, that made him like the greatest basketball player to ever play. 
Tony comes off as selfish, cocky, arrogant, often temperamental, but he holds the Avengers together along with Captain America at their most trying times, and he's super, super essential for success. And I think all those characteristics apply to MJ. Good comparison. I like it. I like it. So you want to talk a little bit. You want to talk a little bit about about Roger as MJ. I know you were like talking about it as yeah. So I mean, again, with with Roger Federer as Tony Stark, I feel like he's a, he's a genius. He he's a tennis genius. Some of the things he does on the court are like wow, this is the greatest player I've ever seen. With with Rafael Nadal and Novak Djokovic, you feel like they don't have as much pure tennis skill as Roger Federer does. And I feel like again, he's super rich. He's suave. Um, men want to be him. Women, women want to be with him, type mm-hmm. deal, which is kind of what like Tony Stark is. He's kind of like a, I mean, Roger Federer is definitely not a playboy, but I feel like he's a very nice family man. Been with the same like been with his wife for I think like almost twenty years now, ever since he he came onto the scene. So he's been with her for a long time. He's a very good looking man. Yeah, a very good looking man. Very suave. He has he exudes that confidence. And you know that, like, and like he's, he still performs at a very old age, you know? Or, I mean, not like Federer is super old. He's like 38, 39, but still. And I don't know. When I, when I, when I just see, like, a billionaire type deal, I just feel like that's Roger Federer. He's pretty close to being a billionaire, too. So, yeah. All right. I guess we're on the last one now, right? Captain America. Steve Rogers, who do you have for your uh, Captain America? So, the thing about Cap is he has a simple background, right? One might say, going to high school in San Mateo is a simple background. I have the same person, dude. We both have Brady? Yeah, we both have Brady. That's ridiculous. Actually, it's not even that really. It's not crazy, man. Cause, Makes you know, total sense. Cap embodies America the way Tom Brady embodies American football. And, and the Patriots, which are, you know... Don't they're not America's team. No one likes the no, Patriots. No, but the Patriots' like logo <laughs> is like America, you know? And like their color scheme is the same color scheme as... Steve Rogers oh, no, and sorry, Captain America's uniform. That's why, that's not why I chose him, but that's another reason why I chose him. And another thing is like Cap initially was re- nearly rejected from service because of his size, stature, but he like worked his tail off and Brady did the same thing in high school, became a star. They're both natural leaders and everyone looks to them to make decisions on the field, on the battlefield for Cap. And they're not always well-liked. But everyone damn sure like respects what they've done, and both of them have their like physical fitness regiments with like the TB12 method and Cap just always having the best abs, the best physical condition. So I think they work pretty well. Yeah, I really have nothing else to say because it's literally exactly <laughs> what I was gonna say. So I feel like good on us for choosing the same person. That's a good end to the segment. I'm glad. Yeah. That's that's all we have for this episode, episode ten of the Locked In podcast. Remember to follow us on our Instagram, podcast.lockedin. Remember to follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, and or Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much for listening all the way through. If you have any suggestions for any future episodes that we might do, please let us know. Podcast.lockedin at gmail.com is our email, or you can message us on Instagram if you guys have any ideas for who you guys want to be future guests, please let us know. We will try and get them on. If you have any connections, please let us know. We will try and get them on as guests. Yeah, we but need the that's... we need we need the hookups, man. We need we have, we've had some interviews. We're gonna keep doing more. We're gonna try to do some non basketball interviews, kind of get some diversity up in here. But if you got hookups, let us know. 
please let us know. Very difficult, but again, we're trying to put out good content for y'all, so really appreciate you guys listening all the way through. We had a good time in this episode. Hope y'all had a blast. Uh, that's all we have for today. Uh, stay safe. Wash your hands. Just wash your hands, people. Peace. Enough people